0: I'm Deidre. I'm Chelsea. And we're giving you... A Million, million Murders! It took us about three... <laughs> it took us about three times to get it, but we got we it. We got it. We heal. So, it's 2.11 in the morning. 2.11 in the morning. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. And we are doing three episodes in one little weekend because we are...
1: Busy, busy, busy.
0: Yes. And So, we got to get everything together so that we can just have things to record and ready and just post them and everything. So... It is my turn. Chelsea just did hers.
1: What is it?
0: This the title of this is Bump in the Night because it's from It's either a good time it's no, or no bad time. It's a okay. bad bump in the night. Um this is <laughs> This is from like a your worst nightmare. I'm pretty sure you know this story, but it's too good oh. not to tell. Um, It starts out one way and then goes completely, like in a completely opposite direction. So, I'm just going to go ahead and start and we'll see where we land. Is this a
1: case? Maybe it's a little bit of both. Is it solved? Yes. Well, as long as it's solved, we're good. It is solved. (laughs) Okay, so
0: here's the story of The Bump in the Night. The Bump in the Night. Which I just the stole night. the title from the episode of the TV show because I didn't know what else to call bump
1: it. And mm-hmm. Bump and grind. Bump and grind.
0: I can't. Okay, here we go.
1: We're off to see the wizard.
0: I feel like you can hear my nails going up against my limb Oh, yeah, sure. I was like, sorry about that. I'll edit that out. Okay, so this story starts in Pepperell, Massachusetts. Pepperell. Pepperell. It's a small town about 30 minutes outside of Boston. Um, In the fall of 1986, the Andrews family are dealing with the loss of their mother and wife after battling cancer. Aww. Yeah, it's really... It starts out as a bummer. Kind of ends
1: in a bummer. Of course. Yeah, I mean, it's a, you know...
0: million murders here just always a travesty (laughs) travesty tragedy so annie and jessica were really close with their mother and it was especially hard because they were teenagers and still needed a mom to guide them yeah yeah so two girls so you know it's two teens and their dad you know and that's who's you know left in their family So Frank, their dad, was a bus driver. Also to note, I feel like I've seen the dad be called by two different names, one in like news articles and one in the TV show. Hmm. So I really don't know, but the TV show has people who were in this situation, like in the area. So I don't know, so we're just gonna call him Frank. So bus driver was working a lot to try to provide for the girls, so they spent a lot of time home alone. Once again, this is the 80s. Once you're eight years old, you were <laughs> on your own. I know this story. I, yeah, I think we watched it together. Yeah, I think I made you watch it because I was like, "Girl."
1: Because it was one of the... We were just talking about it the other day, wasn't we, yesterday? So, yes, we were talking about it. Uh-huh.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Chelsea, so this is when we both know. We know it's coming, but you guys don't. So...
1: You don't know what's around the corner. mm
0: so moving on annie is 15 and she started a little relationship with a guy named danny laplante uh he got her number from another one of their friends but he went to a different high school
1: well how cute
0: yeah he was good looking athletic captain of the football team blonde
1: winner winner chicken dinner That was so low. There is not men on this podcast. No, it's just two women. Well-educated,
0: yeah, blonde, well-educated boy who also lived in the area. So, you know, it's like everything's great. Uh, Annie had never met Danny, so this is like a blind date kind of situation. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so Danny got Annie's number from a friend, and she had never met Danny before, but they were just talking on the phone, and everything was, you know, pretty... Chill, and
1: they're just, you know... Chillaxing, relaxing.
0: Yeah, it's the 80s. They're teens. Um, But, you know, she liked the way he described himself, and he seemed very caring. So she was really excited to meet him, and he asked her to hang out that weekend. Yeah. So when he gets to the house to pick her up, she is surprised, because he didn't look anything like how he described himself, and she felt like this person wasn't the same person she'd been talking to on the phone. No bueno. (laughs) So, instead of like the athletic jock type boy she was expecting, her blind date was a disheveled, greasy, dark haired boy Uh with no attractive features whatsoever. This is... I didn't say that. (laughs) This is what somebody said. No attractive features whatsoever. I'm like, dang, that's real. That's hard. (laughs) Like, they're reading him to filth.
1: I'm like, okay. Yeah, everybody's beautiful in their own way. Yeah, I was like,
0: dang, no attractive features whatsoever? Like, nothing? Okay. All right, then. (laughs) I'm just calling him ugly. That's awful. Looks ain't everything. Yeah, I mean. You know, but, so, even though she was catfished, she still let Danny take her out and spent some time with him. During their date, Danny found out that Annie and Jessica had lost their mom to cancer. You know, they only had their dad to take care of them. So, Danny apparently took great interest in the details of Annie's mother's death. A lot Weirdo.
1: more. Huh? So that's weird.
0: Yeah, like, a lot more interest than the normal per- person would have. Normal person a normal, uh-huh. normal person would have. Annie later claimed that it seemed as though Danny was obsessed with the death of her mother. He kept asking questions about how she felt at the moment she died and how much she suffered. Uh-huh. Like, so, so since things were taking a weird turn, she left the date and went home. She was like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go. Thanks for the ice cream. Everything's great. Like, but. bah. Yeah, I'm just gonna go because you're weird. So the date's gone horribly. And she's like, you know, thanks, but no thanks. And I'm was, out. Yeah, like I'm heading out. And that was the last time they saw each other. SpongeBob. I I'm, I'm ahead. Like, all right. <laughs> so that was the last time they saw each other. Then in June of nineteen eighty seven, the girls are still grieving their mother and wishing they could talk to her again. Um they decide they're going to conjure their mother's spirit. <sighs> They have a necklace they're using to show yes or no answers as it moves. They're in their basement with the candles lit, and they start asking their mother all these questions, and the necklace is moving back and forth when they ask the Mm -hmm. questions. And uh, their dad comes in, and they finish the seance and go upstairs and go to bed. So, like, he doesn't know what's going on.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, But after they did the seance, strange things started happening. The girls are home alone again, and they start hearing knocking in the living room. As the days go on, they start hearing knocking late at night while they're sleeping. You know, amazingly, it appears as though the girls' seance was successful. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it appears the girls' seance, because it's like the girls' seance was successful. The girls' seance was successful. The girls' seance was successful? The girls' seance was successful.
1: Can you say it? <laughs> Can you <laughs>
0: It's the new tongue twister. The girls of seance was successful. The girls of seance (laughs) was successful. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -mm. Yeah, yeah. Crushed it, cray. But, uh, yeah, so like in the dead of night, the two girls spoke to the unseen force as they, you know, thought they were talking to their mom one more time. Yeah. And they were asking the spirit questions, to which it replied with, you know, knocks against the wall.
1: Yeah, obviously...
0: Yeah, like they're just gonna. Well, it wasn't like yes, it's me. Yeah, it was you know they're like, asking questions. It's knocking on the wall, so it's like a intelligent spirit, and it seems that the girls had truly uncovered a supernatural force at work. But after a while, it started to scare them, because <laughs> the noises would only happen when they were home alone. Mm-hmm. One night, the girls kept hearing knocking on the walls over and over. No. Yeah. They told their dad about it and how they thought it was their mom communicating with them, but it was scaring them. But Frank didn't believe them. He told them that the ghosts weren't real and their mother's spirit wasn't in the house.
1: I can just hear like a father being like, it's just the house settling. Yeah, yeah. I always Everything in <laughs> the house settling. Every I'm like, but well, what was that? I'm like, what is that? Did The I, house is just settling. Did I ever tell you about the time?
0: I'm sure I did. When I thought somebody was breaking into mom and dad's house. Yes. And it was, my parents have a, well, they used to have this like filing cabinet and their printer sat on it. Um, and one night the printer just started acting up. I don't remember what it was. I think it was like just doing something. But when the printer would like start printing or doing anything, it would shake the cabinet it was on or like the little metal cabinet. So it would like, (laughs) but then it bump up against the wall. Well, it was the wall connect, like connecting with my room. Like Mm -hmm. it was the shared wall. So one night I'm laying in bed and I hear this like, and I'm like, I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. Someone's breaking in. Someone's breaking in. So I call mom and dad's phone Uh -uh. and they're not answering their phone. So then I call the house phone because I know they're gonna answer that. And I'm like, someone's trying to break in. I was like, y'all, y'all gotta get up. And she's like, Deidre, my mom went out there. I'm like, no, don't go, have dad go, get the guns. I'm like, we need everything, get the arsenal. Get the and she's like, Deidre, it's the facts. It's the it's the printer bumping up against the wall. And I was like, are you sure? She's <laughs> like, yes, I'm sitting here looking at it do it. And I'm like,
1: that's funny. I was like, all right.
0: <laughs> Deezer, the neighborhood watch at two in the morning, like uh uh-uh. uh, who's breaking into my parents' not house? Not really in the neighborhood watch, chicken butt still in the bed. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm watching, I'm listening. I'm not going to confront anybody. I was terrified, I, I knew somebody was breaking in, I was freaking out, but thank god they weren't. So, anyway, Frank didn't believe them, ghosts aren't real. You know, he knew things were hard with their mom being gone, but they can't keep making things up for him to stay at home with them. You know, he's got to go to work. So he thought the girls were just acting out and wanted him home more, so they didn't have to be alone. And he was really torn up by all of it. Like,
1: yeah,
0: you know, he didn't want to punish
1: him, but... Yeah, because they're obviously going through something.
0: Yeah, he's just like, okay, well, the girls will get better, whatever. So then they start noticing more things happening when they were home alone. Like... The lights were turning off Uh and would be back on when they'd come back. Lights would flick on and off. The knocking would be in response to questions they'd ask the spirits. You know, that kind of stuff was still the same. The doorbell would ring, and when they got to the door, no one would be there. So at this point, they're thinking, if it's not our mom making all this noise, who's haunting our house? Yeah. It's like, okay, this doesn't seem like mom. Who is, it? Who, who, who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Who oh the is it? my God. That's a quote from my friend, Nadia, everyone. <laughs> okay. So, one day, they hear some clanging in the basement, and they decide to go check it out. At this point, they know it's not the spirit of their mother. Um, they hear some knocking while they're down there, and then it goes away. When they turn around to leave, they see a message written in blood on the wall. Mm -mm. It says, I'm in your room. Come find me.
1: No way.
0: Yeah. Mm -mm. Obviously, they're scared to death. They go call their dad, and he calls the police. Uh, When the officer gets downstairs to check out the message on the wall, he realizes it's ketchup on the wall and not blood. (laughs) He's like, this ketchup. (laughs) They come back up to the girl's, you know who are still crying and terrified and tell them that no one's in their rooms or in the basement the whole house is empty except for the girls and they were really upset because their dad thought they were acting out and wrote on the wall and they kept telling them no there's something in the house they couldn't believe that their dad wouldn't think you know like they were like i can't believe dad won't believe us like they were really upset because they were like we're telling the truth so now it's December 1986, and the girls are home alone watching a movie uh-uh. when uh-huh, when they start to hear the knocking again. Uh-huh. They turn down the movie, and sure enough, the knocking had started back up again. They're scared, but they go upstairs together to check out the noise, and as they're walking upstairs, they stop dead in their tracks. Uh-uh. They see written on a mirror, I'm back, come find me.
1: What the crap?
0: It's a lot, it's a lot. So they were so freaked out, they ran to their neighbor's house and stayed with him until their dad came home from work. The neighbor told him they'd shown up about 30 minutes before and they had been scared the entire time they were waiting there.
1: Mm -mm, That's sad.
0: Yeah, like, he's probably like, what is happening? And I surely wasn't gonna be going over there to check it out, so. I'm like, yeah, we'll just wait here. So the neighbor told Frank that the girls had been saying some disturbing things were going on in the house. Frank was determined to show the girls that no one was in the house and was really worried about their mental health at this point. Like it, like it's starting to get to the yeah. point where he's like, Wait, I think something's wrong with my children because uh-huh. they're like hallucinating. So Frank's like, okay, I'm going to go in the house. When he gets in there, he noticed that all the TVs were on and they're blaring. Ooh. Yeah. Like, what is happening?
1: I can't stand that.
0: Yeah, no. It's, it's all about that sensory overload, overload. Sensory overload and all that. Like, mm-mm. So he leans back out and he's like, did y'all have the TVs turned up this loud? And they're like, no. Like, of course not. We, we keep telling you. So he starts to check out the house and notices things have been ransacked a little. He turns the TV off and realizes another TV is on upstairs. And he goes upstairs, and what he sees, written on the wall, says, I'm back, come find me, you know, just like what the girl saw. Yeah. He sees the TV on in one of the rooms, and he goes in and sees marry me on the wall. What? Yeah. This is like all as he's coming in, he's like, sees the TV on, sees marry me on the wall. Then he creeps further in and there's someone standing in the room. No. They're wearing his wife's wedding gown,
1: Uh -uh.
0: a blonde wig, holding a hatchet, and wearing war paint on his face. Uh -uh -uh. Like. (laughs) Psycho. Just think, for months you've been telling your kids there's no one in here. Yeah. Ghosts aren't real. It's not your mother's spirit. And then, bam. There's just someone standing in your wife who's passed away's wedding, wedding dress, dress, with a wig and a hatchet, like wearing paint on. Uh, like I don't even. Like in the episode, it looked just weird, but I can't imagine how terrifying that was in real life. Like yeah, no. Mm-mm. So he ran out of the house as soon as possible, obviously. When the police get there, they search the house and ask if there's someone they can think of that would do this, you know. They all reply, no, like no one's ever bothered them. They've never had issues with anybody, you know. No, have no clue. So the police are now searching the house for clues and to see if they can find the person who was in the house. One officer found a hidden crawl space behind a cupboard which was built into the wall of Annie Andrews' bedroom.
1: Hmm.
0: When the officer opened the hatch, he discovered Danny LaPlante dead. curled up <laughs> inside. So, old boy I'm talking from about earlier. Me. I'm like dead. Yeah. Just, just, oh. <laughs> I knew what you meant, but then didn't even think about anybody else thinking about <laughs> it. I know, that's was what I was like. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, okay, yes, yes. No, not dead. Yeah, so creepy Danny from the jump. Just chilling. Chilling in the house. So the officers were disrespectful. Like
1: they went on one date. They went on one date and the fact that he did all that is very disrespectful.
0: Yeah, and very scary. Like, like. What's
1: wrong with him? Where is he at now? Well, you'll find out. Oh, I don't even remember.
0: Good. Now you're going to Now I the just rest. remember like that, part, all that and stuff it's like the most memorable part yeah
1: because it's, it's so psycho. crazy <laughs> and he
0: does other stuff too but like this is just the weirdest part of it the officers removed danny from the crawl space and placed him under arrest once he had been removed from the scene officers conducted a thorough search of the andrews residence they found out that danny had been living inside the walls of their home the passageway they found danny in had been tunneled around to other areas of the house. They were full of peep. Oh, there were a handful of peep holes. That sounds weird. There were a handful of peep holes dotted around so that he could watch Annie from whichever room she was Mm in. Like, okay. It became clear that Danny LaPlante had been pretending to be the ghost of Annie and Jessica's mother in order to torment them, which is low down. Very low. Like, oh, so now you know, and you hear them, so then you're just going to pretend to be their mother who passed away. They think that Danny was planning on revealing himself to the girls dressed up as their dead mother, Uh -uh. uh, whether to genuinely pass himself off as her spirit or terrify them, but they're not, you know, they don't know. Like, they don't really know what his intentions were going to be. Um... But it was most likely to just scare them. Uh, the fact that he was wielding a hatchet at the time also suggests that Annie and Jessica Andrews made a lucky escape that night. Um, who knows what would have happened if they found Danny instead of their dad? There was so I mean you just don't know. There was also a hole behind the dryer as well. The police said it looked like he'd been living there for months. Oh my God. Not four months, but just four months. Like, who knows when he decided to move in? Who knows when he snuck into these people's houses and just burrowed his way in and just stayed there?
1: Uh-uh.
0: So that's why Frank never heard anything in the house. Yeah, He could see when he was coming and going, and he knew when the girls would be alone. So mm-hmm. he'd be like, oh, time to start it up. So, six, oh, this kid is 16, by the way.
1: At the time...
0: Yeah, like at the time all this. What year was this again? He's sixteen. This is like nineteen eighty-six. Okay, eighty six. Yeah. About to be eighty-seven, but yeah, nineteen eighty-six. Yeah, okay, December of nineteen eighty-six is when it all hit the fan. So, yeah. Um, so sixteen year old Danny is hit with a list of charges armed assault in a dwelling, breaking and entering, malicious injury to a property, and armed burglary. He initially went to Bridgewater Hospital where he had a psych evaluation, then went to a juvenile detention facility. Mm -hmm. The Andrews decide they want to start fresh and they're going to pack up and move to New Hampshire. They try to forget about the nightmare they just had, you know, gone through and just, they're just going to move on. Well, in October of 1987, the court determined that Daniel should be tried as an adult for his crimes instead of remaining in a juvenile facility. At that point, his mom was able to post bond, which was a $10,000 bond. Um, once he made bail, he went to live with his mom and stepfather. Releasing Danny turned out to be a terrible mistake. Within just a few weeks, he targets a family living in his neighborhood. Oh. Yeah. So here's the bad part. Here we go. A woman in town, Mrs. Priscilla Gustafson, who was pregnant at the time, and her two children, who were eight and five, were all murdered in their home. He killed her first. Trigger warning. He raped her and shot her twice in the head.
1: Gosh.
0: Yeah. When her husband, Andrew, came home from work, he found Priscilla laying face down on the bed. He called the police, who then discovered the bodies of Andrew's two children in two different bathtubs. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Five-year-old William mm. had been drowned in the upstairs bathroom, while eight-year-old Abigail was drowned in the downstairs mm. bathroom. It's horrible.
1: That is horrible.
0: Ugh. Just coming home and your whole family has gone.
1: Yeah. So... That's
0: awful. Yeah, like this is a 16 year old child. Like, this is scary and sad and horrible. But yes, so Daniel's exact modus operandi, which is, you know, just like MO, the way that he does things, and this murder remains unknown. Given things took a turn, For the worse, going from burglary to full-scale murder when he was in possession of a weapon suggests that he didn't have the confidence or physical strength to subdue his victims by hand. In addition, a handful of items, which doubled as restraints, were found in the Gustafsson home. This prompts the theory that LaPlante forced his way into the residence and held his victims at gunpoint while he restrained them. He likely killed Priscilla Gustafsson first to remove the biggest threat, then killed the children one by one.
1: It's so sad.
0: It's awful. It's awful. So when the police saw the blood on the wall and the alcoholic drink on the table, they remembered this crime scene had some parallels to the crime scene at the Andrews' home after Danny was hiding in the walls. Um... Daniel lived almost directly behind the Gustafson family. He lived a little less than a mile from them through the woods behind their house, but there were no other houses between them. So they were like neighbors, but like country neighbors where there's like a mile in between you and all that. Um, So when they get to Daniel's mother's home, they find that he is not there and he's on the run. The local police start a manhunt.
1: That's what I don't understand. You wanna murder somebody? family whatever and then you're gonna run what'd you think he's gonna get away with it oh yeah like some of these people
0: or they think f- well they'll know ignorant. i did it but i'm just gonna run away and they'll never find me and it's like which is the 80s so i mean it's it, it could have easily happened yeah. in the 80s you could disappear uh, anytime before that shoot you could really disappear. Oh, yeah. until, We've talked about now, the 1800s, how you caught. could just...
1: What? I said, until now, you live in that luxury life until you get caught in the... Now. When you're 85 people. years
0: old, just golden state killer. Just 50 years, just bebopping through his life. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> the local police started a manhunt and he knew they were coming because he had been watching the news for updates on the case. So he was on the loose and the police knew they had to warn the Andrews family. So they're finishing up packing to head out of town, you know, when they get the call and Frank can't bring it upon himself to tell the girls that he's killed three people and he's on the run. You know, he's yeah terrified, but he doesn't want to tell them. He doesn't want them to be scared. The city was put on lockdown and they had officers that were off duty wanting to come in and help with the search. So everybody's like, let's find him. Yeah. Cause he's out here ruining people's lives. Like we're over it. A few times over, <laughs> Jesus. Um, a few times over, Danny broke into a woman's home and kidnapped her in her vehicle.
1: Watch it.
0: Yeah, so he's done like, it's not carjacking cause he's kidnapped some woman and she's just stuck in her vehicle. She escaped, but he was spotted by someone who had seen his photograph on the news.
1: I said, I wonder how she escaped. Were they, like, driving down the road? She jumped out? Yeah, I think she literally, Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) rolled out the car. Rolled out.
0: Yeah. So, you know, they're hunting for him, and they found him hiding in a dumpster at a lumberyard.
1: Where he belongs.
0: Yeah, just in trash.
1: Trash. Trash.
0: Garbage. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So they found him in that lumber yard 48 hours after the manhunt for him began. So he was gone for about two days. I mean, well, 48 hours is two days, but you know what I mean? So uh, when he was arrested, he was laughing. When he was inspected, a hair belonging to Abigail Gustafson was discovered on his sock, cementing him you know to her murder his involvement in her murder
1: Mm-mm.
0: he never showed any remorse for his crimes even while he was on trial for the murders like he just didn't care um so daniel plant was charged with the murders of the Gustafsson family and sentenced to three life sentences in prison he is incar- oh, yeah mhm he is incarcerated at the norfolk norfolk the norfolk norfolk
1: you know, I don't know.
0: Norfolk.
1: The struggle is real. Hmm. Norfolk, correction,
0: Norfolk. He is incarcerated. <laughs> I've just said this sentence five times. I don't know if it's Norfolk or Norfolk. I feel like some things are Norfolk. Correction Institute in Massachusetts. From 1988 to 2014, he tried over and over again to have his sentence reduced, bringing up different excuses as to why his sentence should be shortened. But in 2017, they denied his appeal for the final time. He will officially have to carry out his sentence without an early release. In 2017, while Danny was appealing for early release, he said, I do not have the words to fully express my profound sorrow, but I am truly sorry for the harm I have caused. From the very essence of who I am, from the depths of my soul, I am sorry.
1: Bologna. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> baloney. Oscar Mayer fields baloney. So no one knows if it was a sincere apology or just a last resort effort to try and convince them to appeal his life sentencing. But either way, it didn't work. Um, Andrew Gustafson died in 2014. So this is the dad to the mother and the two, you know, daughters that yeah. were, well, not daughters, the Two children. It was a boy and a girl. Um, He died in 2014, so he passed away not knowing that Danny would never get out of jail again.
1: Oh, sad.
0: Yeah, but he did say this on his deathbed. He said, "Don't ever let him out. He should rot in prison." Yep, and that is the story of Danny Leplant.
1: It was good
0: thank you you're welcome yeah I felt like whenever I watched Your Worst Nightmare you know you don't know that he's gonna end up murdering people and you don't know you think it's a ghost story yeah so I wanted to keep it that way because whenever it was you know when I was watching it and it was like a ghost story at first and then it's like what it's this kid from earlier and like all this stuff, you know, I just thought that's insane. And I wanted to kind of keep everybody on that same path that I was on. So,
1: yes. Tis good, tis good. Thank you, boo. You're welcome. Well,
0: let's see here. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, requests, you know, anything like that. You can email them to a murders at gmail dot com.
1: You can like, oh, you can follow us on Instagram <laughs> and check out the photos from the cases we do, so you can kind of see what they look like, what the buttholes look like. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a Facebook page. We don't really post much on it. We're going to eventually. We're we'll just kind of yeah. It's just it's... but. <laughs> We did have that post about the Apple podcast that we mentioned. Yes. But you can like us on that. Share it. Tell your friends, your family, your dogs, your cats, your fishes, your, your grandparents. Everybody. Everybody. The bugs on the ground. We need all the people. We need. <laughs> Those
0: all these stink bugs that <laughs> everybody's dealing with. Bugs. I mean, knock on wood. I haven't had any stink bugs. Watch now; they'll be all and I'll wake up to my floor will be covered in them. Mm-hmm. Be like, ah! but no. Yeah, tell them stink bugs flying around. I'm sorry, y'all. Winter's all, fall's coming, y'all. <laughs> we just got to hold out a little. Hopefully, longer.
1: it ain't nothing like last year. It was freaking hot all year.
0: I'm telling you, the more that the days and the years go on, the more. Kentucky is starting up. to be like Texas. Like in Texas. I don't know how kids even wear long sleeve Halloween stuff because I don't know. it'll be like it's crazy. <laughs> it'll be like eighty-five degrees on Halloween. I'm like, them babies out there sweating. Mm. It's too hot. I'm going. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to wear sweatshirts. I'm sweating in Houston. <laughs> it's eighty-five degrees on Halloween. Thanksgiving. It's crazy. But yes, yeah, that it? did we cover everything? Mm-hmm. You did. Okay, well, thank you all
1: for tuning in. We hope you come back for a a million million more. more. Bye. Bye.